When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of How Bitches Are Made. This week, we're straying away from our typical format as I bring on two very special guests to talk about a very specific issue. So if you joined us last week for our episode, No Place to Call Home, you might recall that I referenced having a little bit of OCPD in my life. And this week, I'm bringing on two friends of mine, Brooke Vallone and Jessica Amento, to further delve into all the different kinds of ADD, OCD, OCPD, all sorts of stuff. We recorded this before COVID in anticipation of releasing this season, but then when the lockdown started happening, I couldn't collaborate with people in person and I hadn't yet figured out a way to do that. So um, as you know, our seasons were very delayed as a result, and hence this episode was never released either. Um, Now more than ever, I feel like we need to focus on self-care and take care of ourselves, especially since a lot of things going on right now specifically can be sparking the things that we're going to be talking about in this episode. So I feel it is very relevant and poignant to discuss, bring attention to, and for you guys to hear and listen. Um, I thought it was really fascinating. The girls taught me a lot of things that I didn't know, which then ended up turning into them teaching me a lot of things I didn't know about myself. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce this episode called What If? And all the acronyms that you can think of. And so here is my conversation with Brooke and Jessica. Enjoy. So um, to recap episode 12 very quickly in case you missed it, we were talking about my struggle with finding a place to call home. And in that struggle, I was confronted with something that I've been dealing with probably from what I can remember since I was 10. And that's a condition I have called OCPD, which is different than Mm -hmm. OCD, I've recently learned. But I brought Jessica and Brooke on today to talk about OCD because that is something that you both have been diagnosed with. Yes. And Jessica actually has a TV show that she's currently developing about OCD. Mm-hmm. So Jessica, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your experience with it? It's funny that, for, so my experience with OCD is that it was for a very, very long time in my life, my biggest, darkest secret that I couldn't have imagined telling anyone. I mean, back until, you know, all the way back to like when I was in fifth grade, um, and so it, it's funny how like this deep, dark secret of mine ended up becoming the thing that I needed to shout off the top of a mountain, like, um, <laughs> because having the diagnosis became something that was really empowering for me. And then, you know, I've, I've been a screenwriter for a couple of years and I've kind of searched for like this special project that would like launch my career. And I, I guess I'll just say that. They always say write what you know, and it came down to writing this pilot that was inspired directly by my experience with OCD. The show is called Obsessed. Yeah, and it became this own its own form of exposure therapy for me. And 
was just like a very cathartic experience writing it. And then, of course, it happens to be that that's the thing that like I sell that, you know, hope knock on wood, <laughs> we get to get a pilot order. Yeah, for, um, that'd be great because I would oh, like yeah, to watch that. too, too, yeah. I know. <laughs> and then hopefully, you know, like my dream would be that like someone in high school in the middle of Nebraska now would watch it and go, oh, okay, I, I identify with this character. And, yeah. That's like what Sex in, Sex in the City did for me. I watched it Honestly, last night. I'm just like, it made me feel like it normalized yes. my brain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And I was like, that's the beauty about what we do in this industry. Mm-hmm. I once dated somebody that was like, it's not like we're curing cancer. And I was like, no, but we we might be decreasing oh God, suicide, movies, which movies I'm saying very seriously. Absolutely yeah. saved my life. Yes. I mean, Storytelling. on so many occasions. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very, very, very helpful when you feel like, especially if you don't have a voice, someone else is giving you one by using theirs. Yeah. You just said, um, it's funny because I was sitting here and just like listening to you totally uh-huh. like normal. And then you said that it would become this thing that I would want to like shout from the mountaintop. Yeah. And it made, it like hit me in such an emotional way. Because one, I just got the overwhelming feeling that you're gonna change the world, and two, mm-hmm. and two, Do you have I, that overwhelming feeling for me. I, it strikes me, yes, it does. It strikes me in very specific moments, but about not a I'm just hard like, oh, yes. They are. I did, there was a hard yes. I was, that's what I started but with. there wasn't a hard no either. So I'm not mad. But no, and there are just moments that like do, I don't know if it's an intuition thing, but they do just hit me where I have, it's just like an overwhelming realization that this person I love is going to do absolutely everything that they're setting out to do. Made me cry. Um, I already cried once. And also, what I would not, I mean, what I would have given to have had someone like you doing this. When you were going through it. When That's I was how locking I, myself in the bathroom yeah. and I couldn't tell anyone why I was so late to everything all the time. And yeah. I was getting yelled at by my parents because they couldn't understand why I needed to do four more things before I could leave the house. And, yeah. and then again, like, the media perpetuates it sort of as like an adjective of like, oh, it's just like my OCD. I'm like, yes, in my bed, yes. you know? And so it's like, that offends a lot of people with OCD. That's why and- I so specifically was like, there is a difference between OCD and OCD. OCD, yeah. yes. Because yeah. that is what I'm afraid of. But I didn't yeah. want to interject, but I did want to make that point. Yeah. No, and it doesn't it doesn't offend me either. Me, yeah, it personally doesn't yeah. offend me, but some of my, the people in my group, it really why. does like tug at them because there are people that hours and hours of their life are like lost to this thing and like someone who just says it, you know. But again, how could they know? Because they've, no that's how media it. has educated everybody to believe, you know, what it is. And, yeah. Um, so hopefully this show, you know, the dream is that it could create some nuance in the space to like create new conversation around it. I have only been former, formally diagnosed for a couple of years and I... The OCD I have is called harm OCD, uh, colloquial, like that's the colloquial term, or intrusive thoughts. Uh, a lot of people don't know about it. Um, yeah, I didn't know about it. This oh, is one of the things you educated me on. Yeah, it's more taboo in that, well, actually, you know what? Okay, so I'm going to segue away from that for just a beat. Like the, throughout high school, I was a very anxious person, and throughout my childhood, I was fairly anxious. They didn't have, you know, a proper diagnosis. Like, they didn't have, like, a term for me of what that was other than, oh, you have anxiety, you know? And they, like, mm-hmm. would put it on, oh, well, your parents are separated. You moved around a lot. Like, you're an anxious kid. And it sort of manifested in health scares, which is a form of contamination OCD, where I thought, I have cancer. I have West Nile virus. I have meningitis. Like, I, you know, and I, my compulsions would be, like, touching my chin to my chest over and over because I heard that if you have meningitis, you can't do that. So, you know, or I would 
do everything. I, I would go to the doctor several times and tell my mom to take me to the doctor over and over and over. And it would manifest in anxiety attacks. That now I know was OCD because I was obsessed with the idea of like I was going to die. And I my, the compulsion was that like proving myself I was healthy or checking my body for symptoms of whatever health scare. Cut to my 20s and I for a long time would have would be triggered by if I saw a knife I would want to hide it if I you know was like around a small child I I felt uncomfortable because they were like very vulnerable and I would always you know if I heard a news report about like a nanny killed the kids you know it would just stay in my head all day all night all day like how how did that happen? Like, what went wrong with that person? What if I did something like that? Mm-hmm. And the thing that's, like, really scary to talk about is because, like, you don't want to say this out loud that you have this, like, horrific thought of, like, I just saw a knife. Like, what if I, like, stabbed, you know, the person next to me? Like, and I think that's why there's not a lot of awareness about harm OCD because people mm-hmm. are so scared to say it out loud because you think, you know, what's going on with me? Like, am I crazy? Am I Am I, like, on the verge of snapping? Like... And to clarify, the the thoughts aren't, I want to do this, or like, I feel an impulse to do it. It's like, what if I did that? Yeah, you have a fear of, of losing control and doing it. Yeah, yeah. And, and doing something horrible. And like, what? And the, a lot of OCD starts with the question, what if? The main compulsions with harm OCD is avoidance. So it's mental. So it's just avoid knives, like avoid sharp objects. Again, if your self-care isn't great, it's going to be worse. Like, the symptoms are going to be worse. And um, then I... Um, finally heard a radio lab episode a podcast um about this and i was like oh you know i kind of had started having awareness from googling i was like this is what this is what's going on so that was like kind of a huge relief because i felt i'm not alone this is like more common than people think that it is and then i started going to group therapy at ocd of la in uh you said that and for some reason i just heard ucb and i was like there's nothing funny about this. <laughs> Although I will Why say, I will, I will say the group therapy for this is, it can be very funny because you, ha- you know, we're this like melting pot of people with various forms of OCD mm-hmm. and it's, we have to kind of find humor in it because it's, you know, it's survival and I don't know, there's humor in everything I think. But yeah, and then I go to OCD of LA and I have my one-on-one with, uh, her name is Elena Fazan, uh, Fazan, F-A-S-A-N. Um, don't know why I just spelled that for you. Um, she, <laughs> it's good. If people want to Google it, it's very hard yeah, to she's, know. Cha- this woman changed my life, like cha- like dramatically changed my life. I'm going to start crying if I think about her. Because, oh, like, I love that. I mean, I don't love that you're crying, she but was I like, love, <laughs> love that you're moved. So much to me. And it's like funny because randomly she's from Omaha, Nebraska, oh which God. is like where I'm from. Um, she lives in Echo Park and we kept... Like, I want to be her best friend, but we can't because she's my therapist. Oh, my God. That's how I, that's how <laughs> I feel about my yeah. therapist. Um. <laughs> Shout out to all the great therapists. Yeah. Yes. Really hard to find. Yeah, really, really hard. hard. Really hard to find. Um, and she's really tough, you know, and um, it's a group therapy. They have about eight people in the group. It meets once a week. It's low cost. You can. I did one-on-ones with her a little bit, too. You have to, in the beginning, do at least one one-on-one. And I will say there's a long wait list because a lot of people people need OCD treatment and there's not a lot of like official options but yeah uh and the basis of the treatment 
you know, it's like a combination of mindfulness, which is like meditation and self-care and if you're working out combined with the main exposure therapy, which exposure response prevention is like you make a hierarchy of a list of things that are triggering you and you write them down in order of like difficulty. So it's sort of like sharp objects, um, driving, like walking across a bridge or like being around a child or, um, and then you face one at a time. Like you kind of like, and I, I had health ones mixed in too, cause everyone's OCD is a little different and I still have some health fears that I would have to confront, but yeah. So really the exposure would be like, she'd be like, order a pocket knife on Amazon and keep it in your purse and just keep it with you at all times. Um, sleep with a knife next to your bed which is like the hardest one for me was like building up to that i sleep with a knife under my pillow oh, which freaks what me out. i do because i oh. i'm i'm That's convinced yeah. i'm going to get oh, oh that is so triggering terrible oh. i mean well, i'm not convinced has, i'm it's also a huge fear of mine maybe happened to you in a prior in a, in a past life yeah it could be yeah, it could be carryover i i think like the the exposure therapy yeah. was was the thing that you guys were talking about that was so enlightening for me because with regard to the story and no place to call home, that is what I did unbeknownst to myself. Like I threw myself into renovations Mm -hmm. and I couldn't like one of the biggest points of in one of the biggest points of contention in my last, why did that sound like that didn't make sense? Um, (laughs) In my last relationship was that he didn't like, I'm okay with chaos as long as it's organized Mm. chaos. So like if there's a bunch of paperwork, as long as it's in one pile, like in the corner of the room, it's fine. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. if there's paper everywhere, socks on the floor, just like, just like shit not Mm. put away. I cannot start my day because, um, it, it distracts me. Mm. And this was when he would always just say to me, just don't let it bother you. And I was like, that that, that doesn't, I just want to bother me. Yeah. It's not like a choice. It's just like an itch that won't stop needing to be scratched. But then, and and my family was always joking, like, Rachel, you'd make the worst roommate. You can't live with anybody. You're so rigid. You're so this, you're so that. Anyone used to say that to me. Oh my gosh. And they were right, mind mm-hmm. you. But now, oh, yeah. now I do live with a roommate who in a lot of mm-hmm. ways, not to the degree, mm-hmm. but she does do similar things. She does the same thing my ex used to do in, mm. in certain capacities. Yeah. And I notice, I'm like, I notice it now, but it doesn't bother me as much. And I never knew why until we... Sorry. Hit the microphone. Um, Until we all had uh, lunch together because you guys were talking about exposure therapy and I was like, oh, that's what I did. Like Mm -hmm. living in renovations, I was trapped. I couldn't get rid of the mess even if I wanted to. Yeah, I know. And then then eventually you're like, oh, this isn't so bad. I'm not going to die. I'm not suffocating. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah. Which now I am able to live with other people and it's helped my life so exponentially. And even as you were just talking, mm-hmm. um, you said something about feeling like with the kids. You would mm-hmm. be so concerned. You'd hear about a nanny mm-hmm. killing a child and you'd be worried about doing that. I literally, when I was six, mm-hmm. 
my I don't know how it happened. Mm-hmm. It was all of a sudden I was just convinced my father was not going to come home for work from work because he was going to be dead. I just thought he was going to die when he left the house, and it was a phase. I remember very they specifically. They call it magical thinking. Oh, that's in what therapy. it is. Yeah. Okay, and this is yeah. why this is why we're doing mm-hmm. this podcast. By the way, this episode in yeah. particular, but and you had even just said it. So many people feel like they're going through this alone or they don't understand mm-hmm. it because nobody's talking about it. And like you, you girls continue to give me more stuff where I'm like, oh my God, I'm normal. <laughs> oh my God, there's a term for that. Yeah. But yeah, and it, it was a phase and it went away for a very long, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. long time. And now my, my boyfriend is gone for three weeks mm-hmm. and leading up to him leaving, I was just like, he's going to, he's going to die when he's like, I'm every time he leaves, I think he's going to die. And the compulsion is that you check the find my friend again, like again yeah. and again, like making sure, you know. Like yeah, that. like, okay, he's safe, he's safe. And he, kn- yeah. he knows that, which yeah. is great. But it's like, it's a, it's a horrible feeling. Yes. And really quickly, I wanted to talk about the difference between OCD and OCPD mm-hmm. because yes. I have been diagnosed with OCPD, which mm-hmm. stands for Obsessive Compulsive Personality Disorder. Mm-hmm. And OCD is obviously Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. Mm-hmm. The difference, as it was explained to me by my therapist, is that OCD is actually hereditary. She described it as your brain has a lock Mm -hmm. and a key, and the key does not fit inside the lock. And she's like, but people with OCPD, it's something that develops out of trauma that is Hmm. correctable, so you can make the key fit into the lock. But... Um, so just, I just wanted to touch upon that because a lot of people, I had never heard the term OCPD before. I hadn't had before therapy. I hadn't. Which I think is super helpful to know because especially after hearing what you guys go through and have gone through, it's such a very, it's a different experience than mine. Mm -hmm. And I just know no one in my family has it. So I'm like, oh, well, if OCD is hereditary, there's no way. They say one in four people that have OCD that has a parent with it. Yeah. That's like the statistic I heard or something. But it's also like, but there are ways where, this is why I think I have a small degree of it. Because mm-hmm. Brooke was telling me, she's like, there's there's a process, there's a routine I have to go through mm-hmm. before I can leave the house. And I remember mm-hmm. seeing, I think it was White Oleander with Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah. Or no, Matchstick Men. I'm sorry. It was Matchstick Men where he had OCD mm-hmm. and he would do that. He would like close the door multiple times. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't really do that. But if I look at my patterns with the magnifying glass... I do. Yeah. yeah. When I was it a kid, I used to make sure that all, like right before bed, all the water's off, all the dials on the mm-hmm. oven and mm-hmm. range are turned off, all the doors are locked. Like there is a routine and I mm-hmm. used to have to go through it three times. I'd tell my parents, I love you. Good night. And my parents, of course, had no idea what was going on because my dad would be like, didn't we already do this? Like I, how many times do you need me to say I love uh-huh. you? And he wasn't saying it as a dick. But if someone's like doing it multiple yeah. times and you don't understand, you're like, what's their problem? Right. So it, it's it's interesting. I think a lot more people might have it than they think. Absolutely. Or they just brush it under the rug and they're like, no, no. Because I think that's what I did. Well, yeah. and it's also the interesting thing about OCD is that it can be hereditary. Mm-hmm. Like we've discussed, it can also be a trauma response. Mm-hmm. So, Like in the show Monk. Yes. Which I just am watching for the first time. Oh, I've never watched it's it. So it's very good. It's has, very good. He has OCD, which was triggered by his wife being murdered. So oh, the trauma, trauma triggered. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I do think that some of my OCD is a trauma response. Mm-hmm. For instance, I would lock myself in the bathroom and I would tweeze every individual hair from my Oh my body. God, you and I talked about this. I tweeze yeah. my leg hair every when I'm stressed body. out. Ouch. And she was, she was like, that's a form of OCD. 
and picking, then, skin picking. Yeah, yeah, and then we were talking about how I use tweezers to get blackheads out of my face. And Brooke goes, I do that too. And I was like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel okay. gross when I talk about those things. <laughs> but what's interesting is I started the picking at my face with the tweezers after I removed. So, like, I will joke, mm-hmm. like, I did I did laser removal, uh-huh. which is an aesthetic thing. Like, yeah. lots of, you yeah. know, women especially do it. But for me, it was actually life-changing because... Once the hair was gone, I had nothing to, to yeah, you obsess to over. Yeah. And the compulsion to do it was, yeah. went away. Was nothing. I mean, it did sort of morph to something else. Into a new <laughs> but less. It's like a whack a mole. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's like no, there's a new hair. This is gonna pop up now. Okay. Um, but it and I didn't realize like how it had impacted my confidence about myself mm. and my like time management and my ability to do things and. Um, and you probably know mm-hmm. more from being in a formal mm-hmm. like group therapy setting specifically for OCD. Mm-hmm. I think it's like four general types, and then with under each of those, there are many, many mm-hmm. ways that like relationship OCD, uh, yeah. pedophilia OCD, which is a really weird one. Yeah, um, well, it's really weird. It's, yeah. that's like yeah. intrusive <laughs> thought. Well, it's intrusive yeah. thoughts, but fear because intrusive thoughts are fear based. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's people who probably either know someone or have someone in their life who experienced that, and so they're terrified as to, like, what made someone do that. Yeah. Right. Could Which they like do Jessica it? was just talking yeah. about. Yeah. Wait, so really quickly, just for people that are listening, what are, before you continue on, what are the four types of OCD? So it's cleanliness. Or contamination. Or contamination. Um, intrusive thoughts. Oh, um, there's one uh, one that is very fascinating that they don't know a lot about. Um, it's like, oh, gosh, what is it called? Uh, it's going to come to me. Um, I can Google and no one will know. I'll just edit it out. It's like auto <laughs> response, uh, sensory motor OCD. There's a guy in my group who had it, and he, it's like very detailed, like hyper awareness where he'd be like, I feel my tongue on my the top of my mouth. That's all I can think about is the tongue hitting my teeth, hitting my teeth, hitting my teeth. Or like, oh, or he'd be like, I'm stuck on the letter A. All I see is the letter A all day, or like, and then it, it's sort of like a cycle. Um, and that one's very interesting because they really don't know as much about that. Like, he didn't care about cleanliness or, like, getting sick or anything. It was just like, oh, I'm going to be thinking about the tips of my fingers for the rest of my life. That's all I can think about is, like, how it feels. Oh, or, interesting. It's, um, like, a very specific pinpointed form of yeah, thoughts. Sensory motor. That's like focused on the yeah. body. And then the um, four. Symmetry and ordering. Oh, that's me. Symmetry and ordering is one. And then, if, if I, and then um, yeah. hoarding. Yeah. That is not me. That is the opposite. Of me. <laughs> yeah. So, but that a lot of, me I mean, you can have, like, if I don't do my routine, if I leave my house and realize I forgot part of my routine or I skip it because I was rushing and then I remember, mm-hmm. I start to, I start to panic. Mm-hmm. My breath gets short and mm-hmm. my heart starts to race and I think about driving home and going back and doing the thing I forgot mm-hmm. to do or starting over from the beginning. Um, and that is the same sort of, experience I have when I was also accidentally put I accidentally put myself into exposure therapy with my move mm. which we'll talk about in a little bit but we um, can talk about it right now uh but it was the same thing it brought up those same heart racing and shortness of breath and feeling like I was like my body was closing in on me and I was trapped inside of myself mm-hmm. um they say and they say that like the root of every single OCD just comes down to one uncertainty and like knowing like not knowing like you cannot know no matter what for sure if your boyfriend will make it home safely if I will ever snap and kill somebody god forbid I hope I don't do that I don't think I will but um (laughs) I don't think you will either but but you know like there's just no it's um, you just have to be 
comfortable with uncertainty and living in that. And she also like described there's like a cycle that happens with OCD where like you have the what if question, the worry, and then you feel like you have to do the compulsion to get back to a state of feeling okay, like, oh, I feel okay now. Mm -hmm. The way anxiety works, no matter what, you're going to come back around to that safe place. You don't actually have to do the compulsion to get there. So Mm -hmm. the exposure is, the purpose of it is to make you feel anxious, like, and then you have to sit with that anxiety and wait till it come down without doing a compulsion. I so, love that during her talk conversation, her, her yeah. talking, you and I are both like, yeah, <laughs> taking breaths. We're just, because breathing, you, but I know, but you train your brain yes. to go. I actually don't have to do this compulsion. I can be anxious and just sit with it, and it's gonna pass. And I don't have to do any mm-hmm. action to like get back to square one. And that's sort of like the basis of it. I have these wool dryer balls. <laughs> Which I should—they shouldn't be wool. They should, just should have like looked for a different wool dryer ball, an alternative. But I have them, and they don't—they always fall out of the dryer. Like because I, I take my—I'm always doing things too quickly. Mm. So when I take my clothing out of the dryer, oftentimes one will fall on the floor. And mm-hmm. I had started this—had started this collection of dryer balls that had fallen on the floor that I couldn't then put back in my dryer because <laughs> how do you clean them? Yeah, like you can't clean them. You can't. Can't you just throw them in the washing machine? I mean, I probably could have, but what am I going to put them in there with? Because wool smells, and like it was. Yeah. I don't want to waste the. I'm also an environmentalist, so I don't yeah. want to waste the water from a load of laundry to wash these dryer <laughs> balls. Anyway, I got down to the point where I had none. I had none left. And, you had uh, none balls. But this also <laughs> happened to have none balls. Uh, it happened concurrently with living in the disaster that was at the time my apartment. Mm. So once I got everything clean and organized, once you've lived in that level of dirt, it's like, oh, a dryer ball falling on the ground. Then I started doing Mm. this thing where I would let it... I've read various different articles and information about the lifespan of germs. Mm. So then I would let the dryer balls sit outside of the dryer for a certain number of minutes or hours or days, depending on what it was that I was focused on mm-hmm. at the time that it fell. And then I would eventually put it back in the dryer. And then the other, just, literally just the other day, one fell out and I picked it up and I thought about it and I thought, what is the difference if I leave this sitting out for two days or if I just put it back in there right now before I put my clothes in there? Hmm. What's really going to happen to me? That's, What's yeah, going to yeah, that, yeah. And Challenge I did it. it. And yeah. I put it back in the dryer and I dried my clothes. And it was like <laughs> the biggest yeah. win. Oh. It felt so incredible. <laughs> and it's the silliest thing to try to share with people who don't know that like I'm having a great day because I put a dryer ball in my dryer <laughs> with my clothes. And I did it and I'm wearing my clothes. And they don't feel dirty. It's an accomplishment. In an, in, yeah. in an yeah. interesting kind of like roundabout way which yeah. is maybe not the healthiest perspective yeah. it, it was the realization that oh the control is in what I decide for myself well, I can't mm-hmm. control outcomes but yeah. I can control me how you handle and how I handle the situations yeah. and mm-hmm. what I choose to do with them yeah. look Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey <sighs> well That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Is it a true statement to say that most people that struggle with OCD, the the 
primary thing is that they have an issue with control just in a very general sense like do you think it boils down to something that it's possible it's possible I don't know yeah. I mean personally I, yeah. yes but I can't speak to the whole because I think my population. issue like I have yeah. so many like issues with control yeah it's like control over time, control over finances, mm-hmm. control over health, over routine, mm-hmm. over whatever. It's the cleanliness of my apartment. Yeah, yeah. It's I I feel like a lot of times when I hear and actually this is a great segue into something, Brooke, that you and I discussed when I recently also got diagnosed with ADD yeah. and was like I came to you and said, I feel like I just always have problems. I have anxiety, I have depression, I have O C P D, I have um, ADD and I feel that the labels only matter if they're helping she's like and the truth is this, mm-hmm. these are all these different labels are just different manifestations of the same thing it's different ways that this same trauma response or control need for control or and yes there can be some hereditary influence in that but it's all different ways that you respond to these things based on what it is that you're being exposed to at the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's going to look like depression. Sometimes it's going to look like anxiety. Sometimes it will look like OCD. They are all connected. They Very are much. All like if you're thing. having, if your OCD is like particularly in a, if you're in a particular rough patch, you're probably avoiding friends. You're probably yes. avoiding things which looks like depression. Ergo, depression. Yes. yes. Or anxiety. You know. Yes. They kind of connect to each other yes okay so here's the story of how I found out that I got ADD or that that I got it that I contracted <laughs> it um, that I had it so um I go through ebbs and flows of feeling depressed and anxious and um, I'm sure that triggers my OCPD mm-hmm. and when I was in the desert recently with my boyfriend we had like a long list of things to do and I just felt totally depressed and shut down and unmotivated to do them mm-hmm. and they were like here take an Adderall and I was like okay I've like taken one before but and I took it and all of a sudden it it became very clear to me that why I felt depressed was I was so aware of everything I had to do that I was like I'm never going to be able to do it so why start and then when I took the Adderall, I was like, all right, one foot in front of the other. Let's go. Mm, yeah. And so then I was like, okay, it's a drug. I'm using it recreationally, I thought at the time. So I don't want to take it all the time. Because yeah. like you, I don't like taking medication. Yeah. But when I did take it, on the occasions I did take it, I felt like I didn't have anxiety. I didn't have depression. I had no problem getting through my day. Yeah. I was able to focus, so I went to go get my own prescription. Again, still feeling like, okay, this recreational use, like, but I have to sell it, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I took the questionnaire in the office, and I was like, oh, no. I, <laughs> like, th- I, everything was, like, all the time, mm-hmm. always. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. And I was asking mm-hmm. silly questions, like, that seemed silly to me, like, do you get flustered when you can't find something? Do you misplace things often? Do you like interrupt people? Can you not remember things that people have told you? All of, there's a, a thousand more things that were on that list, but these things that seemed just like casual for me that now I was seeing on a, on a checklist, I was like, oh, that's what's wrong with me. Oh, that's what's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. That by the time I saw the doctor, I was full-fledged, like, shooken up, like, no, I fucking need this. Because that's why. And I told him, I was like, I have a hard time in, like, this is what happened to me. I took Adderall one time before an audition. And I, I this was like, the coolest experience I ever had. Because what happens to me in an audition is, I know my lines. I'm always off book. Mm-hmm. 
But what happens is I get this little internal monologue all of a sudden that's like, what's going to happen if you fuck up what this if line you, right now? Sort of OCD. You better not fuck yeah. up this line right now. The obsession is what if you do that. Yeah. Right. And so then I yeah. start paying attention to the internal monologue yep. and I'm not mm-hmm. present in my performance. And it's actually become a problem. Yeah. So this one time I took the Adderall, I felt the thought and I literally felt the Adderall, felt the medication go, <laughs> punch it out of the way, going, <laughs> going, we're not focusing on that right now. We're not serving the purpose. Like we're focusing on the task at hand. And I called my mom and I was like, I told her about that. So oh, that rocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now that I'm seeing this list, I was like, oh, fuck. And then I'm thinking about like everything I know about my dad. Mm-hmm. Like one of the questions was, do you feel like a machine? Are you incapable of napping? Do you feel like you can't turn your brain off at night? Do you suffer with insomnia? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. Do you have to be doing multiple things at once? Then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God. And so I called Brooke and I, I actually got really depressed about, about it because now this wasn't a drug I was taking. It was mm-hmm. medication I needed, mm-hmm. and I know I need it, and I hate taking medications, and it feels like I'm defeated in that sense. But it's like, even today, I didn't take my Adderall because I don't want to take it every day. Sure. And I And there's so much feeling, stigma around yeah, it. But the reality is, I think you, it really, really helps a lot of people, yeah. and it doesn't have to be forever, and a lot of people take something, and it retrains their brain, and yes. then they go off of it, and it's yes. just sort of like... right. Getting yes. you a bridge from A to B and Yeah. So that's kinda how I wanna end this conversation is talking about like, okay, so when you it's it's important for me to like communicate this uh-huh. with our listeners because yeah. everyone is struggling with something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of times we struggle with it for years before there's a label for it or an mm-hmm. understanding or a remedy. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to open the conversation, talk to each other because you A take the shame away. Oh yeah, that's from the most talking about part. it. Yeah. B, you're validated, and C, you you do feel you at least alleviate some anxiety by feeling like you're not crazy. Yes. And, Absolutely. And then you can take the proper steps to getting help. And so one of the things that I had a question for you girls was with regard to OCD specifically. You kind of already talked about exposure therapy, but what other kinds of help assistance or treatments have you guys found or heard of that are helpful for people who might need to get help and realize like they suffer from the things we've been talking about today? Um, I think there's, I mean, I think it's really important to get, to find a therapist that is properly trained in OCD treatment, which just means, you know, CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, Mm -hmm. um, and you can kind of look and see who's a specialist and who isn't. I can, if you can link on this episode to mm-hmm. a few located in Los Angeles, there's yeah. um, also a support group. There's uh, there's OCD of LA, which is formal therapy. Um, everyone there is kick-ass, like incredible. <laughs> um, and then there's a support group in Pasadena that meets every other Tuesday night um, under Dr. Jonathan Grayson. That's a support group. You can just drop in and go. I mean, you have to email him first, but it's not formal therapy, but it's a really great treatment too, I've found. Yeah, so those are two words of advice I would get uh, would give. And depending on like the severity of your situation, I'm also personally not on medication. I was on medication for a little bit in high school and it was helpful, um, but I haven't, I haven't needed it this go around. I know a lot of people in my support group were on it. So it's sort of kind of like, pers- you know, you, you know yourself best and... Mm-hmm. It's worth trying if you think it can help you in combination with therapy. Yeah, I, I agree that therapy is absolutely the key. Yeah, um, and proper and I, therapy, proper like therapy. The, for the treatment. Yes. Right. So like, even my therapist, yeah. she was trying to help me find. It's funny, she was trying to help me find a formal 
exposure therapy. Yeah. Which was interesting because the one that she had recommended, they only wanted, at the time, they only wanted people who were on medication. So whatever it was that they were studying or doing, obviously related to the effectiveness of medication, Mm. which I'm not, so that wasn't the right program for me. But in the midst of trying to find one is when I unloaded the pod and wound up living in my own version of exposure therapy. definitely. Um, Oh, and there's another podcast called The OCD Stories, which just listening to that I think may be helpful too. Great. Yeah. Um, Looking at your behaviors mm -hmm. and developing an awareness and not – there's a lot of my routine OCD that I used to punish myself for and apologize for, and it got to the point where I was literally apologizing for existing Mm -hmm. as who I was. And – Getting the official diagnosis Mm -hmm. and being able to look at that and now have all this information that's now open to me and accessible to me that other people are experiencing and there are therapies for and groups for and a community for allowed me to stop being so hard on myself about being the way that I am. Yeah. And I think that's such an important part of it is being kind to yourself and giving yourself the space to be aware and develop healthier behaviors out of that awareness and also using it to empower you i like that you said that it like you should view it as a superpower not a achilles heel i guess yeah my therapist says that too yes that exact term she doesn't say the achilles Achilles heel she does say superpower yeah Uh, i was gonna be like okay because when i said it i was a little insecure if that was the right no it is thing to say that is but but she says the superpower thing (laughs) yeah um, well, thank you both so much for being here and sharing your stories and um, insights. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us. You're so welcome. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed that conversation as much as I did when I was having it with them. I hope it was enlightening for you in some capacity or regard. And if you relate to anything that we were talking about, I hope that it was very helpful to you. As always, I will put references to this episode on howbitchesaremade.com under the corresponding episode number. Feel free to visit it. As always, you can follow us at How Bitches Are Made on Instagram. We are at Habam Tweets on Twitter. And you can follow me at the Rachel Melvin across all platforms. And Jessica Amento is at Jessica Amento with one M. And Brooke Valone is at Brooke Valone with two L's. If you all like what you're hearing, we remind you to please leave us a review and a rating so that other people can know to listen to this podcast as well and we can grow our audience and thus our community. I want to thank you all so much for listening this week and we will be back next week with two new episodes. We'll see you next time. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.